Welcome back to the Life of an Average Joe podcast. I'm happy to be here. Wow, we are we're here, guys. We are we are approaching the end of the year very fast, with only about four episodes left on the show, I believe. So, uh, just wrapping up a, a crazy year. Amazing how that happened. I feel like I was planning Halloween, and now I'm vastly approaching Christmas. Which, you know, just kind of goes into the next week's episode as I discuss time. But I'm back. And man, I tell you what, if <laughs> part one of my hip hop episode must have really just pissed some people off. Or I don't know. It was weird. I went back and listened to it, you know, because as somebody who records a lot of podcasts and anybody, any whatever you do out there, if you write, if you sing, if you draw if you paint if you record you got to go back and look at your stuff you got to be a critic of your own stuff you can't be too comfortable in what you do because when you become too comfortable you start to get boring you start to get predictable and you start to make mistakes and everybody makes mistakes and the best thing you can do is is truly especially when you're podcasting call yourself out you know, I had to go back and actually add stuff. There I, I, there was a particular episode. I think it was, it might have been my Tupac episode. It might have been something with the MCU I was doing. And I had to go back. And right before I posted it, like I scheduled it. Now, I record my episodes pretty far out. Like pretty far out for the most part. So, <clears throat> I'm losing my voice again. It's the weather, guys. Look, yesterday in Texas. It was like 65 degrees and and sunny. Now who knows what the weather's going to be now that you guys are listening to this, but it was like 65 degrees and sunny. Then it dropped down to like freezing at night. Like I had to like bring the plants inside. You know, the ones that didn't come inside, I had to bring them inside. Then it was supposed to go back up to 70. I think it hit like 68. And it's dropping back down to like 30. I Allergies, sickness, viruses, all over the place in Texas. And I think that's what's messing with my voice. It's messing with my nose. It's messing with my voice. So you guys just get to hear me through all my ailments. But anyway, I messed up on an episode, and I really think it was the MCU. I got something wrong with one of my quotes, and right before I published it, or posted it, or whatever, released it, I went through and listened to it again, and I was like, wait a minute, that's not right. So I added a segment where I came out and said, hey guys, you know, just blah, 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 did my commercials and I corrected myself because you got to call yourself out. You can't just let it sit out there because the minute you let it sit out there, somebody's going to call you on it. I did something on TikTok and I made a stupid mistake in my, like, in my description of my video. Just a silly mistake. I knew it too. I knew it. But on TikTok, you can't edit your captions. You can't go through and edit your descriptions. It's so annoying. It's like the Twitter edit button situation. Like, give me a break, guys. Like, just give me an opportunity to edit. When you can't. So I have two choices. I leave it the way it is, or I delete the video and do it all over again. Well, I don't want to go make another three-minute, two-minute video because sometimes those take forever. And it was perfect minus what I wrote. So I left it. And then I commented. I was the first comment on that video. And I said, yeah, I know I made a mistake. My bad. You know how many people blew it up? I had like 10 people in a row call me out. And I'm like, did you not read? Like clearly it was a mistake. But, you know, that's just how it is. Especially on social media. So when you do a podcast, you got to call yourself out. 
So I'll call myself out. Trust me. But I don't know what. I went back and I listened to part one of my hip-hop episode. And I knew what I had going in. I knew, you know, kind of the idea. Let me get a drink of this water here, guys. I knew I knew what I wanted to do. I had this idea. I wanted to kind of discuss hip-hop a little bit. I didn't want to go into the history. I didn't want to make a Netflix documentary. I didn't want to rehash stuff. But I just kind of wanted to give a little... I don't know, insight. I wanted to talk about my opinions and my views and what I like and what I dislike. Because that's all they are. That's all they are. Like anybody who does podcasts, I mean, look, even the people that get paid to review movies, I'm talking big reviewers, or get paid to write up about music, that is strictly their opinions. There's no fact There's no fact that this person is better than this person. There's no fact that this movie is better. There's no fact. It's all opinions. You can sit there and say, look, this guy, you know, just didn't act the way I wanted him to act in this role. He's not my favorite. I don't think he did a good job. And another person come in and be like, can you believe the amazing performance that this actor gave? So it's all opinions. So all I was doing was giving my opinions of what I listened to, who I think is really overrated, who I couldn't get into, and that's it. I dropped some names that a lot of people were familiar with. I talked about Eazy being not one of the greatest rappers of all time. And you know that I got crucified for that. Not because people were disagreeing with me, but because I even mentioned that statement. I got comments like, Oh, well, we already knew that, so way to say something we already knew. And I'm like, okay, well, great. I had another comment. Nobody's ever called him the greatest rapper of all time. I never never said that. I just said I don't think that he should be on the list as some of the greatest rappers of all time. I had another comment. Why would you even talk about Eazy-E? He wasn't even a rapper. He was just a guy who rapped. What the? What does that even mean? Some guy said something, well, clearly you're white. I think I mentioned this before. Yeah, clearly I am white. I think I, I think I mentioned that comment before that somebody said that. What is that? Clearly I'm white. Nothing, nothing followed that. And then somebody said, why would you talk about Easy e being one of the great rappers? Nobody's ever said that. Well, that's funny because there's, there's an article put out by an alleged legit music magazine, I won't say who, but I'm sure you can figure it out, that listed him as one of the greats. I was saying that he wasn't and why. So it was just funny. I got all kinds of hate. Oh, wow, you think Nas is overrated. Big deal. Nas is one of the greats. That's fine. I understand why Nas is is listed. I get it because I've seen him do stuff. I've heard him. I know what he can do. I'm just saying based on the music he put out, no, his, his, his talent, different level. The music he put out, no. So people weren't even listening. It just, it was a prime example of what's wrong in the world and social media and podcasting. People just don't listen. They just, I, I don't need anybody to agree with me either. I don't, I, I could care less if people disagree with me. That's part of the fun. But it was so funny in that little episode that I really wasn't getting into. Man, I pissed a lot of people off. But thanks for the listens, guys. Thanks for the, uh, you know, support. That's not the first time I pissed off a whole lot of people. Won't be the last. Because here comes the next time, right now. As I talk about who I consider to be the greatest Like, these are the list of greats. Now, I'm going to give a disclaimer, okay? I'm going to give a disclaimer and some criteria. Really, it's a combination of greats and my faves as well. But there are some people that are on this list that are not my favorite, but I think they have to be on the list for some of the greatest of all time. Okay, so let's make that clear. There are some people that I know I'm going to forget and I'm going to I'm going to hate myself for. 
So if I happen to not mention somebody that's obvious, don't crucify me. <laughs> Just sit there and tell me about it, okay? Maybe I don't think they're great, but most likely I just forgot them. If you don't agree with me, guess what? Here's the crazy thing. It's totally okay. It's totally okay. You're allowed to not agree with me and we can still move on with our lives. I also want to state that these are in no particular order. I will give you my top five favorites and top five greats because they may be different at the end of this. I'll also read some of the submissions I got from emails, text message, and comments on social media of other people's top fives. If you have your top five, I want you to drop them. You can email me at the life of an average Joe podcast at gmail.com, or you can go ahead, any social media platform, of course, or you can go to the life of an average Joe podcast at gmail.com and email me or the life of an average Joe podcast.com. Any one of those things. Or just tell me, whatever you want. But let's dive in and do this. And I'm going to start off. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back all the way back to some of you might not even know. Some of you should know. We're going to go. We're going to take it to the east side. Not the east side of Frisco. We're going to take it all the way to the east coast. And we're going to talk about who I think was one of the best. <clears throat> and this isn't just me. You can talk to anybody who's involved in hip-hop, who's involved in DJing, who's on the music scene, who's into this, who knows music, who's an MC, who understands this, and they're going to say the same thing. But I have to mention him because I think he's, if I don't mention him, I'm not going to fully understand why what I did. And we're going to talk about Rakeem. If you don't know Rakeem, I don't know what to tell you. Obviously, he was way back with what was the golden age of hip-hop, with Eric B. and Rakim. Now, he is regarded as one of the most influential and by far most talented MCs of all time. That's just not my opinion. That's just what awards and accolades. His album, Paid in Full, was named the greatest hip-hop album of all time in 2006 by MTV. And Rakim was named number four on MTV's list of greatest MCs of all time. There are other editors, Source Magazine, named him number one of the top 50 lyricists of all time back in 2012. The thing with Rakim was, if you listen to him, this was a guy who during a time of hip-hop when it was very different, he was a guy that sat down and had something to say. He wrote out his lyrics. He wrote out his rhymes. He thought you could see him thinking of the next beat the next track the next word what he had to say there was a message if you go back and listen to that album paid in full and listen to the way that he delivers his lyrics the way that he delivers his rhymes how he delivers it you can see why guys like Eminem and Tupac and I mean that really went back and looked at him because Rakim was doing things back in the day that weren't done before. Not just lyrically, not just the way he was delivering those, not just what he did, but how he wrote, the words he used. I mean, he is accredited for so much in the hip-hop world. I don't think that hip-hop's around today without his what he did, the way he used, and he probably is a pioneer with his eternal rhymes. I mean, <clears throat> the way he did that, how he demonstrated the possibilities of using those words in songs was something that just wasn't done before. How you could take multiple words and change them to only the way that Rakim could do was very impressive. So, he is by far, he's like, it's like he spawned so many. If you look at what he did, and not just what he did with Eric B. and Rakim, but what he did by himself. If you look at what he did, and then you go listen to some of Eminem's stuff. 
I'm not talking about my name is and all that. I'm talking about listen to Eminem. You see it. Listen to Tupac. Listen to Biggie. Listen to Cube. Listen to Dre. Some of that early stuff. Rakim's all over it. His style's all over it. He changed what was going on in hip-hop while hip-hop was still changing itself, while hip-hop was still trying to find its place in this world and go to that next level, he changed it. He was already changing. He was he was one step ahead. I saw an interview recently with him. I think he's like 54 now, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe, maybe oh, 55. I saw an interview with him, and it was on that Netflix documentary. I think it was like the history of hip-hop or something like that. And it was just so cool to listen to him talk about what was going on when he was writing songs and what was going on in the world of hip-hop while he was stepping out of that world and going to a different level. Rakim by far, dude, hands down. Now, there are some of you out there who've probably heard the name but never heard one of his songs. I'm going to tell you right now, go listen. Go listen. If you just listen to one or two of his tracks, and you'll understand what I'm saying. Another guy I want to talk to is another very interesting rapper. Obviously, we know him from Wu-Tang Clan, and I got to talk about Ghostface Killer. First off, he's he's part of one of the greatest hip-hop groups of all time, the Wu-Tang Clan. Love Wu-Tang. Love them. I loved everything about them. Their diversity of who they were within the group, the fact that they were just this monstrous supergroup coming out of the East Coast. Unbelievable. What they did individually, what they did outside of hip-hop and for hip-hop, how they appeared on so many other artists' albums and did collabs, producing, rapping, guest spots, all that. And then what they did outside of hip-hop, their love for comic books and movies and just everything about Wu-Tang. I mean, let's not forget, Wu-Tang had its own video game, dude. <laughs> they had its own video game. Unbelievable. But Ghostface, in my opinion, he was a massive success outside of Wu-Tang. He had a solo album that debuted with Iron Man which was pretty well received. I think that was back in 96. And after that, he started releasing other albums. Supreme Clientele, Fish Scale. And his stage name, people don't know this, was taken from one of the characters in the 1979 film. It's a 1979 Kung Fu film. He was a huge Kung Fu fan. Huge. And I always thought that was cool. But what he did, now let's, let's look at him. He was, a, he was a storyteller. He was just a storyteller. And how he rapped, he was loud, he was super fast-paced, but it flowed. He had all this emotion with using serious street slang to tell his story. And he was just that. He was a storyteller. He asserted himself. He demanded your attention. He was energetic. His words grabbed you. He might have been the most colorful, I guess would be the word, storyteller rap rap has ever seen and I've ever seen. He was just that. He was a compulsive storyteller. Not liar, storyteller. He always had a story, even in interviews. It was like you had to reel him in because something would trigger a story that he needed to talk about. And it conveyed in his rap. And he was loud. He was a loud rapper. But yet, it flowed so well that you just paid attention. You understood every word he was saying. Didn't matter if you got the slang, you got the gist of the story. Because he was a storyteller. I think my favorite... I don't know if it's my favorite song... By Wu-Tang, I think it's, I think it is. Well, he did a track, uh, it was On My Knees, and it was, uh, 
guest starred on that track, it was which was awesome. It was an R&B group that actually did that. That's probably his verse on that track. Probably one of my favorites. <laughs> now he got in some trouble. He got in some trouble. Who didn't? He got sued. It was copyright violation, things like that. He had some un unpaid royalties, whatever. And it was all from his first album. But I think my favorite Wootz, I think my favorite Ghostface album. It's hard because honestly, Iron Man was really, really good. I mean, that was really good. But Supreme Clientele. I'm going to say my favorite was the 2000 Supreme Clientele. That's his second studio album. And he had a ton of people on there. Method Man, Red Man, RZA, all kinds of people were on there. I mean, it was just chock full. A special guest. And Rolling Stone listed it on the top 500 greatest albums of all time. It was ranked number 403. Now, take that for what you will with Rolling Stones, but that was huge for his second album. And I think my favorite song on there, so I'm going to tell you to go listen to it, is The Grain. Now, The Grain was featuring RZA, and I love it. To this day, it has been on three or four of my playlists on Spotify. Ghostface Killer, everything he does... I love it. You know his distinctive tone, his distinctive voice when he comes out. And the fact that you could separate him, this is also what made Wu-Tang so great. The fact that you could separate him from Wu-Tang and still get that type of music. Because let's be real, you're in a super group. They know you for that group. They know you for that group. But you could separate those guys and go, wow, individually, phenomenal. I could probably pick three other guys from Wu-Tang, two other guys from Wu-Tang, and, and put them on this list. But I'm not. I'm going to put Wu-Tang on the list right following this up. Why? Because Wu-Tang was a separate deal. Wu-Tang was a separate artist. I know we're all starting off with some East Coast stuff. Don't worry. There's plenty of love for West Coast because typically... That's genuinely what I prefer is West Coast. So right after Ghostface, I'm going to say you got Wu-Tang. Wu-Tang was by far, in my opinion, you can sit there and talk about Beastie Boys, you can talk about some other guys all you want, <clears throat> but they are the best hip-hop group out there. They were. Look, from their unique style, their slang... They were completely, completely different than anybody else. Method Man, Old Dirty Bastard, RZA, come on, Ghostface. Like, give me a break. They were marketable, but they were real. You didn't feel like that it was a gimmick. You felt like these were the real guys. And they had their own everything. They had their own lingo. They had their own clothing line. They had their own style. Everything about them was, was different and unique. Every official member of Wu-Tang has been highly regarded and influential in the hip-hop community, flat out. They helped develop that East Coast style and that hardcore hip-hop style. Without Wu-Tang, you don't have half of that coming out of the East Coast. Not half. Huge. They launched the career of countless artists and groups in their life, in their span. To enter the woo, give me a break. Phenomenal. They created a sub-genre within the genre. I mean, Wu-Tang was so influential. Now, don't get me wrong, they look back at Rakim, and you can see it. But the way that Wu-Tang Wu took that to another level, they were so different and unique and powerful in everything they did that they are by far, in my opinion, the greatest hip-hop group of all time. Hands down. 
I know I'm going to catch, no, nobody's going to give me flack for saying Wu-Tang's great. But I know some people are going to disagree and they're going to go with Beastie Boys. And that's fine. But, you, but to me, Beastie Boys, very different. Can't hold a candle. Here's the other thing, too. And I'm going to catch flack for this. Beastie Boys aren't even on my list. Now, if we're giving a list of a top 100, 200, sure. But for me, I like Beasties. I'm just not, I've never was the biggest Beastie Boy fan. I love them. I've got their albums. I think they're great. But that, but I could give or take. Like, I can go months without listening to Beastie Boys. I cannot go months without listening to these artists that I named so far. And I definitely can't go months without listening to Wu-Tang. I don't think there's been a month that I've said, oh, you know what? I didn't listen to Wu-Tang this month. So that's why they're on the list. And that's why Ghostface, I, I picked him out separately though, because as an individual artist, like I said, he's very different than Wu-Tang. Very different. But together, it's a different level. It's a different level. And like I said, it's no, nothing bad against Beastie Boys at all, ever. Beastie Boys are great, and I'm okay with that. Just not my thing. <laughs> Just not my thing. So as we look at the East Coast, let's go to the West Coast before West Coast starts, uh, you know, getting mad at us here. And I know I talked about, I talked about some of the, some of the female rappers. And I said, you know what? There's not a lot of female rappers out there that I consider to be phenomenal. And some of you may disagree with this. I mean, you know, but that's fine. There are some amazing, talented female rappers out there. I'm not saying that they're, that they're not. I'm just simply saying that overall, there's been a lot of letdown. But one in particular stands out, and I know she's more than this, but I got to talk about Lauren Hill. Lauren Hill, despite the alleged controversy, controversy, why am I sounding like Sean Connery all of a sudden? I know she's an American singer. I know that she sings a lot, but she's a rapper. And what she did was she broke serious barriers for female artists. Lauren Hill did something that a lot of the female hip artists, hip hop artists couldn't do. Not only did she lead the Fugees, which were phenomenal, but she took that poetic singer songwriter, the beautiful voice and gave us flat out amazing hip-hop lyrics. I mean, you can look at her album. You know, you can look at her album, Miseducation of Lauryn Hill, and that's fine. But I'm, let's, let's take that aside. Let's look at the Fugees. Let's look at what she did with Nas. Let's look at what she did with other people. Let's look at what she did live. Let's look at what she did with, with Wyclef. Let's, look, let's just look at her as a hip-hop. Don't just look at when she came out with the Miseducation. Now, when they had the score, which came out in 1996, Killing Me Softly, with not only Hill singing, but just rapping on there. They won Grammy, they won the Grammy for Best Rap Album. She was making her the first woman to win that award. That was huge. She was the first woman to win that award. I mean, that's amazing. She broke the barriers. Now, I'm not saying there were not other female hip-hop artists before her. Obviously, there were. But all these ones that you see today won't be here because of Lauryn Hill. And the way that she delivered those lines. Let's not forget, I remember watching this girl sing back in Sister Act 2 with Whoopi Goldberg. I think a lot of you forget that. 
That's Lauren Hill. I love to hear her sing, but I tell you what, I love to hear her rap. Love it. Now, I know we're still kind of going on the East Coast still. I know, I know. I had to talk about Lauren Hill because I want to throw a female in there. Not only is she one of my favorites, she's one of the greats. Hands down, no questions asked. And the Fugees, man, I love the Fugees. They only had two albums. And I wish, man, I wish we could have got more. But we didn't. And it just sucks. <laughs> but man, Lauren Hill, absolutely. And since we're talking about females, I'm going to throw another female at you. Missy Elliott. That's right, Missy Elliott. What is she, like 50 now or something like that? I think she is like 50. Missy Elliott brought a style that went kind of into the R&B mode. She worked on projects, of course, and collaborated with Timbaland, Aaliyah, R.I.P., SWV, who else? 702, I think. And she launched her solo career in 97 in her debut album, Super Duper Fly. Which had, of course, Socket To Me, which was the top 20 single. And it debuted number three on the Billboard 200, the highest charting debut for a female rapper at the time. Her second album, The Real World, was released in 1999. She's got All In My Grill, She's a Bitch. Those are the top five hits, Hot Boys. But she has... Get Your Freak On, One Minute Man, Gossip Folks, Work It. She won a Grammy for Best Female Rap Solo Performance in 2019. But the thing about Missy was, again, she reminded me of a female Buster Rhymes. Her unique creative style, her unique creative look, the way she flowed, the way she delivered the lyrics, the way that she changed her voice, the fact that she was kind of a an R&B queen, but was given that hip hop. Her amazing, her, her amazing, unique videos. Missy broke the mold. Okay, she wasn't just a pretty prop to set up on stage who could rap, which is what we were getting, maybe what we're kind of getting now. She was flat out talent, and not only that. Her collaborations with people. Ludacris was on there. Ludacris had some of his best verses with Missy. Timberland, come on. Everything that Missy did was amazing. So when you think of female hip-hop stars, Lauryn Hill and Missy, pillars. I'm not taking anything away from Queen Latifah. Especially from when she came out. She did a lot. She did things that were unheard of. Not, not my problem. I like her. I don't like her music. It's not my thing. But I respect her. Putting her on the list, no problem. Yeah, Missy wouldn't be there if it wasn't for Queen Latifah. I get that. But all these girls you see now. All these uh, that you saw then wouldn't be there. Missy and Lauren did something unique and they were night and day they were night and day compared to each other and I love Missy even now as we're talking I'm like oh man I can hear those songs alright are we really going to go to the west coast we're going to go to the west coast now I'm going to tell you guys I have to remind you these are not in order Let's talk about somebody that's a little more modern, right? A little more modern. Let's talk about let's talk about the one and only Kendrick Lamar. I love Kendrick. Now Kendrick did something. So when you think about the time that Kendrick came out, okay, he's a West Coast guy from Compton. If you think about when Kendrick came out, I mean, he's young, young. 
He started rapping under a completely different name, K-Dot. He started to get a lot of attention. He got hired and signed with Top Dog Entertainment in 2005. So, so he started late 2000s. He grew up, born in 87, right? He was a talent. So when he was listening, 10 years later, 12, however, and he was listening to Cube, Snoop, Dre, N.W.A., he was listening to that West Coast rap growing up in Compton. The reason that he had so much besides being right there at the forefront and besides listening to those legends, those legends had staying power. And this is what I was talking about in my first episode, part one. They had staying power that took some of them from the early 90s into the 2000s and beyond because of who they were, their talent, what they had to say, how smart they were, what they did for the biz, how they wrote their own lyrics, how they changed. They were relevant. So Kendrick knew that. But Kendrick's style, everything I just said about Kendrick, listening to Dre, listening to Ice Cube, he's completely different. Completely different. In 2012, Lamar signed a record deal with Dr. Dre's Aftermath Entertainment, which was Interscope. He released his second studio album, Good Kid, Mad City. That album had three singles on it and blew up. It was such a different take than his first debut album, first debut album, studio album, I should say, Section 80, which was positive, super good. You got to see him talent, and you got to see that talent everywhere. You got to see the kid and what he had to offer. But when he got to Good Kid, Mad City, that exploded. You knew this kid was special. Hook him up with Dre? Give me a break. Unbelievable. So then on his third studio album, To Pimp a Butterfly, in 2015, it got even more accolades. His first number one album on the Billboard 200. The same year he topped the Billboard Hot Top 100 for the first time with the remix of Bad Blood by Taylor Swift. He used to experiment all the time with R&B and pop and psychedelic. And Kendrick Lamar, again, was a forward thinker. From the style that he rapped, from the way he rapped, from his voice, his voice changes. He's literally a master of disguise when it comes to his voice. He has so many different tones and so many different ways of delivering lyrics like nobody else that you can listen to one Kendrick track and the next one be completely different on the same album because that's who Kendrick was. And he put it all out there in his performance and in who he was as a person. Now, he took a long time. It took him, what, four years? In between albums, when he came out with his fifth studio album just recently, 2022. Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. Completely different album. Dude sold 70 million records in the United States alone. All of them have been certified platinum or higher. Kendrick Lamar is better than 99.99% of the rappers that have come out in the last 10 years. Matter of fact, he's probably better than all of them because I don't think anybody can hold a candle to Kendrick that is coming out now. The thing is, Kendrick, like most of these greats, is not going to be cranking out albums because that's not who he is as an artist. But Kendrick, just go watch that Super Bowl performance from last year. That half a minute that we got to see him. Unbelievable. Love Kendrick Lamar. Speaking of Dre, 
got to throw Dre out there. Now, Dre's producing skills, second to none. I mean, you're talking about the guy went from NWA, solo, West Coast, Death Row Records, Tupac, the whole Suge Knight thing, solo, back to hook up with Snoop, solo, signs Eminem, performs at the halftime show. I mean... The business mind behind Dr. Dre alone. But what he's done on his career and who he's brought into the dance. He's part of one of the greatest rap groups of all time. NWA and Wu-Tang. There you go. I know I said Wu-Tang's probably the greatest. They might be, but NWA... And Wu-Tang together, those are definitely the two greatest of all time. Smoked out back, uh, Beastie Boys. I almost said Backstreet Boys. They don't even hold a candle to these guys. And Dre was there. Then let's not forget when Dre came out with The Chronic. I remember when The Chronic hit. It was non-stop listening. And then we got Snoop, 19 years old, because of Dre. But it's, it's Dre is West Coast. Like when you hear Dre rap, when you listen to him, he is West Coast. Kendrick sounds very different than Dre, but it's West Coast. You put that up against Ghostface Killer, it's two different styles. Ghostface Killer and Dr. Dre, two different styles. You know one's East, one's West. I don't have to run down the history list of what Dre has accomplished as far as awards and multi-platinum albums and billion dollar deals. I don't have to go down that list. He signed Eminem, the GOAT. And let's just keep on going down the list. Snoop Dogg's on that list. Now I'm not saying Snoop is a, is a tale of two dudes. Right around the dog father was when he kind of started to just say, forget it. I'm going to come in and do all these songs. And he detracts with Katy Perry. And he detracts with this person. And he's hanging out with Martha Stewart. And he's got his own wine. That's fine. He's old now. But Dogfather, all the way back to Death Row Record days, two of America's Most Wanted, Ain't Nothing But a G Thing, Murder Was a Case. Dude. Snoop was on fire. Snoop's laid-back style and the way that he rapped was hard yet soft, was fun yet serious, was funny yet said something. Snoop's on that list. We're talking about West Coast. We have to talk about one of the greatest Rappers of all time, Tupac Shakur. Look, everybody knows, and you're about to find out more, that he is one of my favorite rappers of all time. If not the top. I did a whole episode, guys. If you have not listened to my Tupac episode from about six months ago, a year ago, check it out. It is a detailed episode on the West Coast situation with Tupac, what happened to him, my opinions on him, where I was when he died. Not that I was there, but just really dives into what happened with Tupac and Biggie. And really Tupac's career. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about Pac, but I don't have to say anything. I should just say Tupac, and that should be it. Without Tupac, there's no Eminem. And I and I, I mean that loosely, but that's true. I always said Eminem was the white Tupac. I mean, if those two were together, they were either going to make some insane music or hate each other. One of the two. Probably not hate each other, but may you never know. But Tupac, look at his first album, Tupacalypse Now. Brenda's Got a Baby. 
you can't get much more of an impactful song than Brenda's Got a Baby. But then fast forward to Strictly. It's got Ice Cube, Ice T on one track together. I get around. Keep your head up. Then let's go even more. Me Against the World. Oh my God. Me Against the World. Some of the most beautiful lyrics I have heard. And such a different take on an album to flip it around and go, bam, here we go. I'm coming out. I'm back. I'm signed with Death Row Records. Here's all eyes on me. Double disc. Let's roll. Come on. He was spitting out so many tracks and the way that he delivered that he could sit there and do a beautiful track that was poetry pure poetry like dear mama or shed so many tears and come out with a track like hit him up where he is thrashing people he is setting fire to their entire house dragging them back in and burning it again that's who Pac was you go the opposite let's go back to the east coast biggie biggie is now it took me a long time to admit this and i think that biggie falls down now he's one of my faves and it took me a long time to admit that too and i do think that he's one of the greats he's not high though he's not top five for me his style is east coast but when you listen to him And the production that goes behind it. But when you listen to what he's rapping about and what he's saying, he's almost so chill and almost so East Coast. I said it was West Coast. Sorry. He's so East Coast that you almost miss what he's saying. But when you really listen to it, you're like, ah, okay, Biggie. Everything from his diss tracks to what he was talking about from the streets, from everything, from him slanging, from... It's very East Coast. Tupac, I mean, Tupac and Biggie were night and day. But Biggie's got to be mentioned as one of the greats, in my opinion. Not Puffy. <laughs> Let's just throw him. He's not even overrated. People already know he can't rap. I'm going to throw Jay-Z in there as well. I know. A lot of people are like, nah. And I'm like, no, forget it. If anybody questions that Jay-Z is not good, just go listen to what he did with Linkin Park. Linkin Park was sick. They're, they're always sick. But Jay-Z and Linkin Park together was a different level. Now, I'm not saying that Jay-Z does much now, but what he's done for hip-hop on an East Coast level... Jay-Z is good. There's a ton of Jay-Z tracks that I got on my list that are fun, but they're also good. There's some tracks I listen to and I'm like, is this the same dude? Because this, it doesn't even sound like the guy that I like. But Jay-Z's on that list. Flat out. Can't deny it. Lil Wayne's on that list. I didn't like Lil Wayne at first. I didn't like all of it. The dude surpassed Elvis in 2012. That doesn't say much, but that's pretty big. But when you listen to Lil Wayne, and I got to say from probably like 99 to 2005 to 2000, yeah, 99 to 2005, you got The Block Is Hot, Carter, and The Carter 2. Those albums got to be some of the most fire laden albums I have heard they have to be some of the best hip hop from the way that he raps every single one of his guest appearances he kicks it up a notch now he did get slaughtered when he guessed on M's but that's not his fault but every single thing he does when he goes on somebody's track he delivers he's not mailing it in and those three albums gotta be looked at some of the best lyrics some of the best beats and best music in hip-hop in that time period so Lil Wayne's on that list 
Ice Cube, West Coast, flat out hardcore. He might be, are we there yet now? He might be known as the guy from Friday, but let's not forget, he was a founding member of NWA. He was hard. Lethal Injection, when he went solo, hard album. He's got some bangers. You go, even with the West Coast connection, bangers. He's got serious bangers. Natural Born Killer. Oh my God. You forget that he's in all these funny movies now, hanging out with Kevin Hart, and you go back and listen to some of that stuff. That guy's hard. Love it. Give me some Ice Cube every day. Period. DMX, who I thought was a gimmick when he first came out, not at all. The dude brought a style that nobody knew about. Okay, I'm going to start wrapping it up here. I'm going to start just spewing. I hope you're ready. Tech Nine. Chuck D. Big names here, guys. KRS-One. Big Daddy Kane. Yes. These guys all made the list. For some of the greatest of all time. I think Future is honorable mention. I do. LO Cool J, hands down. Yes. Absolutely. LO Cool J. He did so much, people forget. Andre 3000. I know we have not got much from Outcast, but what we got was creative, innovative and some of the best music I have ever heard. And Andre 3000 was a part of that. Eminem, the GOAT. You can sit here and say, nobody's listening to him in the hood. (laughs) Okay. The man has proven himself time and time again. He is who he is. He's in the Guinness Book of World Records. He's he's literally one of the best lyricists out there. Nobody's defeating him in a battle, and many have tried. Nobody. Please tell me. Please tell me. Show me. Because everybody that's tried has been put down. You could sit here and say, oh, he's old. Really? Because... He does what he wants to do. He comes out when he wants to come out. His last album had more downloads than half the albums that came out that year. He doesn't even need to put music out anymore. He just freestyles and says what he has to say. Done. He has changed up his game. He has conti- he's the only guy out there that can stick his middle finger in the air to every single one of you. Gay, straight, white, black, Asian, Hispanic, Italian, uh, poor, uh, woman, man, and nobody cancels him. But yet he's best buddies with Elton John. I mean, like, they hang out. And Elton's like, I love him. People call him a homophobe. He hangs out with me all the time. Gives Trump the finger, gives Barack the finger, gives Bush the finger. Like, stop. You are not taking Eminem's talent away. That's not even in the conversation. This is where people that sit here and like want to get on, you know, they want to get all those views and clicks. Well, Eminem's just not that good. Really? Get out. I'm not even going to argue with you. I'm not even going to entertain the conversation with you. Period. Goat. Now, there's a lot of others, guys. There's a lot of other people that I have not mentioned. And maybe I'll come back to this one day and let's talk about some of those other artists. And I kind of did it on purpose because I hope you guys start bringing up some artists so we can carry on this dialogue. But I'm going to tell you right now, for me, Eminem, Tupac. I mean, come on, dude. Tupac, Cube. 
Look at those three guys. Those, those, they're like the trifecta right there. Wu Tang. And for my other fifth one, this is a tough one, guys. This is tough. It's not Biggie. It, you, you, we so, we so openly want to say Biggie because it's obvious. You know, it's so we because it just flows together. Like we just want to say, I'm gonna say Kendrick. Bam, top five for me. Now, I've got some other favorites: Jay Z, Little Wayne. Those are my favorites. I listen to a lot of Jay Z, Little Wayne. I listen to a lot of Andre. I listen to Kanye. I think Kanye's a better producer than he is a rapper. I think what he does marketing for his albums is phenomenal. I definitely know he's got issues. I don't agree with everything he says, although sometimes I start to listen to him so much and I see crap that goes on in the world and I'm like, is he onto something here? Not the racist stuff, but the other stuff. I'm like, eh. But I just don't think that Kanye is considered one of the greatest rappers. He's got good moments, but no. Top 100, sure. Top 10, no. But those five, Eminem, Tupac, Kendrick, Eminem, Tupac, Kendrick, I had to count again. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, Eminem, Tupac, Kendrick, Cube, Wu-Tang. I think, I think I said that right. I might have forgot one. But anyway, and that could change too. I could swap them out. Sometimes I swap Wu out for NWA. Sometimes I swap that whole group out for Lil Wayne or Jay-Z, but yeah. But that's rap. That's who they are. Those guys and those girls that I mentioned are unstoppable. Unstoppable. And nobody right now can hold a candle to that at all. It's not even, it's like nobody can. Because right now rap is in a this weird quagmire of just disaster. It doesn't make sense. There's, there's people out there that are talented, but there's just nothing good coming out from the rap game right now. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And it wouldn't be the first time I'm wrong. But hey. So what do you guys think? Did I nail it? Did I miss it? How many of you guys are going to be pissed off? How many of you guys are going to be happy? How many of you guys even care? Guys, I'm going to be doing a, a wrap-up show. So don't forget to check out the wrap-up show right after this as I say thank you to my sponsors and all that. Drop your comments, drop your uh, likes, shares, and come back next week on the Life of an Average Show podcast. Well, thanks for listening to part two, guys, of the hip-hop episode. Man, I needed to make that like four hours long, I swear. I, I know I skipped over artists, so I want to I wanna real quick do a couple things here. I want to, number one, say thank you to everybody that listens to the show. You guys are awesome. And I also want to give a big shout-out to Lucky 13's Tattoo Aftercare. You guys crush it. The new Winter Balm is totally a game-changer. Because of all the dry dryness in the air, especially in Texas, with the weather jumping from 30 to 80 to 50 to all over the place, you know, your skin gets dry naturally and it just sucks. You're constantly putting lotion on. But your tattoos feel it more than ever. And this winter balm is a game changer. Guys, if you have any ink and you want to protect it, go to the Life of an Average Joe podcast.com. Click on the Lucky 13's Tattoo Aftercare link and you can get a discount just by going through there because you went through the life of an average show podcast. Take care of your ink, take care of your skin, take care of your body. And thank you to them for such the huge support. The other thing I want to do too is I want to go through a couple emails here and a couple comments that I got from people that were letting me know which artists that were in their top five. And I want to first start off by one of my good friends, Steve, over at the Notes Magoats podcast, who gave me... A top five of all time, he says. He put Dre as number one. Run the Jewels as number two. DMX 
Eminem and Jay-Z. Now, I didn't agree with them. I agree that Dre's there. I agree with DMX and Eminem and possibly Jay-Z. I don't think I would have put Run the Jewels in my top five, but they definitely make the list of greats for sure. So that was that was a good pick. He said I wanted to include Atmosphere as an underground maybe uh, honorable mention. So that was cool. I, I agree with that. Okay, this one is from my buddy Nick Luck of the AOK Podcast. You guys know Nick Luck. He's been on the show countless times. He's a good friend of mine. But we're going to stop and just look at this for a second here. So he says, here's my top five. Eminem, Will Smith, Kendrick Lamar, Ludacris, and Logic. I got to make fun of him for a little bit. And I made fun of him already. Now, he says favorites. Not that these are the greatest other than Eminem, he says. Favorites. Will Smith don't even make the top 200. I understand where Will Smith went. I get it. I had DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. I did. Parents just don't understand. You saw my blinker bitch. Um... And then he left the Fresh Prince and did Summertime. Summertime. Summertime, he was still with the Fresh Prince. And I'm going to tell you right now, Summertime is the only jam from the from DJ or from Will Smith that I have. Summertime is the jam. Even his slap couldn't rule that song, ruin that song. I do have Nightmare on My Street on my Halloween playlist. But as favorites or greats, no. He shouldn't be on anybody's list ever, Nick. <laughs> Logic was a good one, though. That's a cool That's a cool one. I, I got to tell you, I forgot about that. I forgot about Logic. Eminem, I got no problem. Ludacris, I get. Because Ludacris can rap. I just don't think he takes himself too seriously. Which might not make him on that level of greatness. Not to say that you have to take yourself seriously all the time. But Ludacris does got skills, and I do like Luda. But Will Smith, Nick, you gonna get jiggy with it? Did he get jiggy when he went to go get slapped? Or when he slapped, I should say? Oh, jeez. Well, hey, to each their own, right? I mean, I got crucified. I can't crucify Nick. Here's another one here. I got an email from Mike S., what the heck? Oh, okay. He's giving me... I'm, I, look, I'm not reading all this, Mike. It's, it's. I'll read it myself, and I'll respond to you accordingly. So he's got Biggie as number one. That's fine. Now, in all fairness, Mike is from New York, so that's partial. But that's okay. I'm from Detroit. It, it happens. He's got him. My name is number two. All right. Eminem's better than Biggie, but that's okay. Three, Busta Rhymes, interesting. Four, DMX, interesting. And five, Dre. You guys notice a trend here? Minus the Kendrick and stuff like that. These are a lot of older rappers. Older hip-hop guys. 90s hip-hop. Not that Kendrick's 90s and Eminem technically is, but late 90s, early 2000s. So nobody knew. Let's see what we got here. Yeah, we got a girl, Michelle. Michelle, what do you got to say here? Eminem, Lil Wayne. I'm, I'm just reading. She's, she's got paragraphs in between. And, and Michelle, I will respond to you accordingly. Thanks for emailing. Guys, you can always email lifeofanaveragejoepodcast at gmail.com. All right, sorry. Eminem, Lil Wayne, Jay-Z, Dre. All right. Where's your fifth one? Did you forget? Hold on. I think she might have forgot the fifth one. Drake. Oh, come on, Michelle. You had me. You had me until you said Drake. Oh, Michelle. That's okay. That's fine. That's her deal. You know, we all can't be perfect. There, I just got a random comment. No name. Just a comment on the podcast page. All right, no name. Let's see what no name has to say. 
Lil Wayne, Lil Wayne is number one. Jay-Z, Eminem. You see a trend here, guys. Kendrick and Drake. Drake, oh. Well, at least I see another trend. Drake's made it last on every list. <laughs> All right, well, that's cool. That's interesting, man. That's interesting. I, I like some of these picks. Logic, that's cool. That You know what? I, I had Drake on my part one episode, but we know why. Will Smith uh, didn't even enter the conversation, but you know what? That was fun. Guys, if you want to leave your comments, you can still leave your comments, okay? You can still go ahead and drop those on any social media as as well as reach out to lifeofanaveragejoepodcast.com. You can email lifeofanaveragejoe at gmail.com. I want to give some honorable mentions, though. I wanted to mention Q-tip earlier, and I didn't. So I want to give an honorable mention to Q-tip because I think he's worth it. I think he's worth it to be there. Also, Freddie Gibbs. I think Freddie Gibbs is definitely worth it to be there. Um, I almost said Tretch, but I've been really annoyed with Tretch lately, so forget it. I think I did say Tech Nine, right? Did I mention Tech Nine earlier? Um, I think so. Rick Ross, I want to give him honorable mention as well. And I think there was one more honorable mention I had. Yes, MC Light. MC Light for sure, because has clearly one of the greatest and most I'll say iconic voices in hip-hop. I mean, started at 16 years old. Was like, I mean, brand new MC. Totally wrote that record when she was 12, she said, and totally amped it up when she was 13. I want to give MC Light mad props uh, for what she did, Breakthrough, and I do think that she should be considered on this list of greats. I do. That's my opinion. So honorable mention there. I forgot to mention her because I talked about Lauren Hill and Missy, but I can't pass up MC Light. So anyway, guys, thanks for listening. Come on back next week at the Life of an Average Show podcast. As we close out the year, we're getting there. We're going to ride on through November, December. We're already done. This is it for November. We'll go to December and we'll see what we got coming out. Please leave your comments. Thank you guys for your submissions. It was great to hear from you guys.